when we look at the Holy Spirit, uh, it's a very complex issue or very complex study. Why? Because um, when we try and understand godly things, okay, when you understand godly things, how can human beings understand godly things? We can't, right? Um, yes, but I'm saying it's from the from the from a perspective. How can human beings understand godly things? We can't. Why? Because we are humans, right? We, we're humans. We cannot understand um, um, godly things. That's why God can say, "The secret things belongs to me. That which is revealed belongs to us." Right? So, so we only understand what God reveals to us. Um, that which God reveals to us, um, we take, we learn, and, and, and um, what God reveals to us is enough for our salvation, right? Um, those that are beyond God says, we cannot grasp because it's beyond our, our understanding. And, and um, just like a lot of people who studied theology in the early years, they get crazy, you know. And books have written on the concept of God, and they cannot understand the concept of God because it's beyond us. Um, it's like a baby, baby lying in a in a pram, in a pushchair. They say a baby lying in a pushchair is lying up. Who does he see? He only sees the mother's face now and then, <laughs> peering over, right? And his bottle comes to him and things like that. And that is his concept of what? Of the world. That is his concept of understanding. He doesn't understand... Um, strange. Yeah. He doesn't understand mortgages yet, does he? He doesn't understand um, relationships, marriage relationships. He doesn't. And his concept of the world is what he sees from his pushchair, right? Um, and so it's the mother... And the father, where it was, that reveals to him the other things. And so each one of us, we always um, see the world from our perspective. And therefore, somebody wrote that we must never, we must never um, interpret God from our perspective. Because that is what we see. That is what we reveal. That is what is... We, we, we try and see. And so what only what God reveals to us is what is important, what's valuable to us, what is not um, we trust God with. Okay. And so the, the Holy Spirit is one of those things that are um, very strange. Yet Jesus promised, Jesus promised us the gift of the Holy Spirit, Right? What is his purpose that he promises us? What, what, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What does Jesus promise us? The what? Comforter. What else does he promise us? What is, what, why does he promise us the Holy Spirit? What's important to the Holy Spirit for us in our concept of, of, of our lives? To help us to understand the spiritual things. Yes. Help us to understand spiritual comforter. What else? Did Jesus? Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Y
Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Gregory? Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Janice, what did you say? Okay, right. So why is it pertinent? Why is the Holy Spirit pertinent for us as, as disciples of Christ? Why is it pertinent for us? Why is it very important that Jesus had to say, Jesus had to say, look, it is expedient. The word expedient means what? Valuable, it's important, I, you know, that, that, that I go away, and I, but I will not leave you as orphans. Um, what, what, what would happen if we were left as orphans? Exactly. Yes. Yes. So whenever the concept of the Holy Spirit is being used, it is used in that concept what as a as a service to us. Would you agree? It's a service to us um, to help us in our walk of salvation. Um, the same that Jesus came. Jesus came His part to do what. To provide his part for our salvation, right? And he left the Holy Spirit there for us. So the Holy Spirit, first of all, is a very valuable and important feature in you and I. And we can we do without the Holy Spirit? No. No. We cannot. If, if we're going to be honest about ourselves, we cannot do without the Holy Spirit. So it's important that we pray for the Holy Spirit, right? We pray for the Holy Spirit that that he be revealed in our lives all the time. In fact, what did Peter say when he said, you know, when we are, when he spoke to the people at the end of when, the, when, when they were speaking in tongues, right? And they were listening to the speech and Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, what did Peter say? When they said, now what shall we do? He said, what? Repent and be baptized and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. So again, in terms of that, it, it is important that the Holy Spirit is in that concept there for us. The valuable thing then is for us to determine is um, what is it or he or whatever it's called. Um, is the person is the it, is the power. Now, let me ask this question. If the Holy Spirit is there, you hope, we believe the Holy Spirit is here, right? For us. If the Holy Spirit is pertinent, we believe that God sent His Spirit. You know. Now, is it very important that we know? Or is it very important that we know that whether you know, is it better for, for us to um, to determine whether you know what substance the Holy Spirit is in terms of a walk with Christ? Is it very is it very pertinent? Yes. 
No. Yeah. Okay. So the effects of the Holy Spirit is important in that sense. Yeah. So, so, so in other words, um, does it change our salvation? You know, if we know, if we, if, if we can understand whether, you know, if we actually know and for fact that it's a person or an it or a power. Does it do anything to your salvation? No. All right, so we come back to that point. No, it doesn't. And so let's, let's, the foundation here we want to lay is that, of course, the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is there for our service. The Holy Spirit is there for our help. And therefore, whatever it is, praise God for His Spirit, right? Um, because without it or Him, we would be lost, okay? And so this exercise today is basically, you know... Um, just to share and, and understand uh, what the Bible, you can use some passages, what the Bible um, uh, shares with us. Now, um, we don't have it on screen, unfortunately, so you will need to write these texts down. Um, uh, just to compare what we say. Now, I'm also coming from the, I'm also going to be presenting from the perspective that this is what the Seventh Adventist Church believes, right? This is the Seventh Adventist take on um, on the Holy Spirit. In other words, when I talk about the Seventh Adventist Church, is when I go on to Adventist.org and I click on beliefs and I go through the beliefs section um, from the from the from for, you know from the the the. Um, 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 the standard or, or the, the what what the church believe as a as a as a as an entity um, this is what the church believes right um, and so and then we will we will compare and talk about if there are any other challenges there today so matthew 28 verse 19 is one important text that we want to look at matthew 28 verse 19 if you've got a bible read that um Or, yeah, that would be good, John, if you can put it on the screen, actually. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. What does Jesus say? Okay, so teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, from that text, Adventists make that it says, Go therefore and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the what? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, what, what, what Adventists believe is what, what, what Jesus is actually saying, instead of saying, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's basically just says name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, indicating that, that, that when he talks about the Holy Spirit, it's talking about a person in the same way it's talking about the Son as a person or a personality and it's talking about the Father 
as a personality. Right? You, you get the context of what I'm saying there? What we're saying. Right, okay. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14 is this one. Yes? 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14. Okay, what does Paul say? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the what? The communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, other version says, talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now, what the passage says here is that it says we have a three-part combination verse that demands grace, love, and communion or fellowship be equally ascribed to three corresponding persons, right? So in other words, um, God has, Jesus has grace, so does the Holy Spirit. God has love, so does Jesus. And we can fellowship with Jesus Christ, we can fellowship with God, and we can fellowship with the Holy Spirit, right? So, so we, 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 what, he, what he's saying is that, we can fellowship only within the context of a personality. Okay? In the context of a personality that we can fellowship in. So what is a person? Definition of person is one who has substance, completeness, self-existent, individuality, rationality. Right? They say those are the, the five um, aspects of... Um, a person. Now, let, let us go to to some of the aspects that defines looks at the Holy Spirit in a person in a person context rather than a non-person context. Okay, right. Read for me. Let's go. John four. Somebody read John fourteen verse sixteen and seventeen. Somebody found John fourteen twenty six. Somebody found John 15, verse 26. If you could. So let's read together. Another person, John 16, verse 7 to 8. Another person, John 16, verse 13 to 15. Come on, this is going to keep you awake to read for me. Right? So who's, who's got the Bibles? All got Bibles? You got Bible, Jam? Jackie? Okay, can you find for me John 14, verse 16 and 17? Would you like to read or you got a headache too much? You okay? You want to read? Okay. Janice, John 14, 26. Um, Graham, would you mind? Reading? John 15, verse 26. And Julia, John 16, verse 7 to 8. And uh, Sue, John 16, verse 13 to 15. Okay. Let's look at this quickly and see what the Bible says about the personality of the Holy Spirit, if it, if it has a hint. Um, okay? John 
Okay, so where's the hint in that passage that gives personality? The hint in that passage that Jackie just read. Okay, just read it again, please. Okay, where are the hints? The personal pronouns, right? Him, that he talks about him. Um, okay, John 14, verse 26, Janice. Okay, another hint which talks about he, right. John 15, verse 26. Okay, another masculine pronoun, right? Okay, John 16, verse 7 to 8. Okay, so again, it's the word he, right? John 16, verse 13 and 15, 215. Okay, so there's all the words he's. Now, if you study Greek, you will understand that the word spirit is a is what they call a neuter word. A neuter word means there is no um, there is no gender attached to it. Okay, there's no gender attached to it. So it is it it's 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 an it's it's not even an it. <laughs> it's something else because there's no gender attached to it. So if you if Jesus said, but I tell you the truth that the spirit goes away and the spirit will convict you and the spirit will do those things. Um, it is good to argue that it says, look, hey, there is, you know, we can't say that there's an agenda, that, that, that there's an agenda, agenda to it. But the fact that the Greek is written in such a way that instead of saying spirit and spirit and spirit and spirit, it actually links what says that the spirit will come and he, right? In other words, in the Greek, it, the, the, the words that's being used, although the spirit is the neuter word, the masculine pronouns are used to describe um, that spirit. You understand what I'm trying to say? Right? So, so, so the spirit is neuter. I mean, there's no gender to it. But the pronouns linked with the spirit means there is a personality um, attached to it. So that's, that, that's the, um, the first clue that we have. 
The second clue is that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are both our helper and lawyer between us and God. Did you hear that one? Okay. In other words, what did Jesus say? He will send us what? Another parakletos. Okay. Or a comforter. Um, the Greek word alos, which means um, another. The word alos means another. In this case, says he will send us. Oh, by the way, what was Jesus' other name in, in, in Isaiah 9 verse 6? His name shall be called Manuel, wonderful. Wonderful comforter, right? Almighty God, Prince of Peace. Okay? That's what Jesus' name is going to be called. Jesus now says, listen, the word alos means another of the same kind. So he's saying to us that I will go away. It's expedient that I will go away. But another of the same kind of comforter will come to help you. Even if you reject says, even if you reject that Jesus is God, another of the same kind as Jesus must be a person, the text says. The Arian view would require the word heteros, another of a different kind. So the Holy Spirit is a person who is a comforter, a helper, an advocate. So in other words, there's two words that the Greek word, the word Greek word is a used heteros, or the Greek word would use alos. Now, when it says hetros, it means of a different kind. Another of a different kind. When the Greek word says alos, it means another of the, of the same kind, in that sense. And what is this kind? A comforter, a helper, an advocate. In other words, Jesus is our mediator between who? Between us and? Us and God. And so the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is just a power from God, um, what the text says, that the Holy Spirit cannot be or cannot perform the work of a comforter or even a mediator. That's, that's what I'm saying. The logic in this, in this concept. The use of the Holy Spirit five times in the passages we read when we combine this with the fact that Jesus said the Holy Spirit was another helper, alos, another of the same kind, the personality of the Holy Spirit is reinforced even stronger. The Greek word parakletos that is used in all these verses was always applied to persons, not things. So the fact that both Greek words alos and parakletos together in the same phrase in the reference to Jesus is irrefutable proof that the Holy Spirit is portrayed as a person. In Acts 9 verse 31, Christians were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The word comfort, paraklesis, is the verb form of the noun parakletos. So the comforter, the helper, parakletos, is the one who comes to our aid, is the one who's on our side, and is the one who is capable of giving our aid and 
it is always used in the context of a person being aiding us. Okay? So there's the second clue. This is what the Adventists built on in the sense we believe in Holy Spirit. Now, just just be to go back in that sense is that um, the word Trinity. Anybody know when the word Trinity was used? The word Trinity was used. Don't know? In the early century. About the same time that the the canon the Bible was canonized 300s the Bible was canonized the word Trinity was used now the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible it doesn't okay the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible there's no concept of Trinity in the Bible right but what the Bible does believe and this is where Adventists believe in what the Bible does believe is that the Bible hints that there are three persons in the Godhead. Okay? So, as Adventists, we don't, Adventists, we may not use the word Trinity, and people may have a challenge with Trinity, but the Bible talks about a triune God. Right? Um, a triune God in terms of three persons of the Godhead. Hey? That the Bible doesn't link with. Okay. Okay. Sure, sure. So we will, we'll, we'll, we'll come with, 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 with questions. So I'm just, I'm, I'm going through it, and I'll give you an opportunity. Um, anybody else who has questions and, 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 and to, so okay. So we, I'm just going through in terms of, um, from that. The third clue is of, obviously that I've said in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, thirteen, fourteen. That the Holy Spirit can be fellowshipped. Now, it says there, we're not saying that the word fellowship itself demands the Holy Spirit is a person, but that the word that normally, but not always, implies personality is used in conjunction with two other known persons. Does that make sense? So the word fellowship or communion doesn't necessarily say that, look, the Holy Spirit is a person, but using the word fellowship within the context of the three, um, uh, uh, um, the three other persons um, gives the clue that we're talking about a personality in this context as well. Okay. The fourth one is an interesting one because the Holy Spirit is in contrast to an unholy spirit. Does that make sense? When he talks about an unholy spirit in Revelation, about the Holy Spirit. Let, let, let's just go through this. The very term Holy Spirit is used in contrast to unholy spirits like demons and the devil. Okay? Let, let's look at some text. Keep you awake again. Mark 3, verse 22 to 23. Um, Alan, do you want to read that? Mark 3, 22, 23. Sorry? Okay, that's fine. Um, Beryl, do you want to read? Matthew 12, verse 32. Um, where does it go? Abigail, would you like to read? 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. And um, Charles, 1 John 3, verse 24 to verse 4, to chapter 4 and 6. I'm just saying, yeah. 
1 John 3, verse 24, okay, to chapter 4, verse 6. We'll look at that in a minute. Right, so, get, get Mark 3, verse 22 to 23 up there first. So, have you got it there, uh, Alan? Yes. Okay, you want to read for us? Mark 3, 22 to 23. Okay, so, um, so, 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 he is using, he is using um, the unholy spirits, who is, who is demons and, and the devil, right? Yeah. It's in that context that he uses. Come back to that. Mark 12, verse 32. Sorry, Matthew 12, verse 32. Sorry. Okay. All right. It also gives a hint. It ends up saying, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in this age to come. Okay. First Timothy 4 verse 1. Okay. So there's another text that says, talks about and compares it to what? To um, unholy spirits, right? It says 1 John 4, believe, don't believe, believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this, have I got that one? Is that the one I read? You read? No, 1 Timothy, right? Yes, have you got it there? Power up. That spirit fixes firstly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of, of devils. So it's 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 in the context of what? Um, 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 personalities, right? Um, that it talks about. First John three verse twenty four. Okay, so it's also in the context of what? Comparing um, beliefs and, and spirits and um, um, false prophets, um, you know, and, and, and knowing the right, the right one to follow um, is by the, by the spirit of, of God. 
Um, now, interesting, it says, this point applies to Jehovah's Witnesses, but not Christadelphians. Because Christadelphians do not even ascribe personality to the devil or demons, but view them as the personification of sin and disease, respectively. The Spirit, the Holy said, set Barnabas and Saul apart for missionary work to which I have called them. The Spirit, the wicked, said to them, I know Jesus and Paul, but who are you? Okay, Acts 19, verse 15. Um, linking the fact that there are evil spirits, yes, and there is the Holy Spirit. Um, Revelation talks about Revelation 16, when it evokes the false prophet, the beast, and the, um, the image, is it, yes, um, will be thrown into the fire, um, but not the Holy Spirit, okay? It, it, is, it is in that personality. I hope you understand what I'm trying to, what, 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 they, what you're trying to say there, in that sense is that um, when it even talks about unholy spirits, it talks about personalities or principalities and powers versus the Holy Spirit um, who, is, who is, in this sense, um, a personality. Um, okay. Let me go quickly through. There's a whole lot of texts here, but I'll go through the, through the, just the, the headings and then take perhaps one text to describe each but there's loads you can have a copy of this if you want if you want one okay so the holy spirit simply must be a person and it's much more than god's power or active force yes one reason the holy spirit is outright said to have a mind which energy does not have energy does not have a mind but the Holy Spirit has, right? Romans 8 verse 27 says, He has a mind. Know the mind of the Holy Spirit. Second one. The Holy Spirit experiences emotion, slights and injuries, which energy or power does not experience. For example, it talks about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, lying to the Holy Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit, right? So there's the... Okay. Third one. The Holy Spirit evaluates reasons and chooses with intelligent free will which energy cannot do or power cannot do. John 16 says, He will not speak on his own initiative. Acts 15, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. It says he knows God's thoughts. So, the Holy Spirit evaluates and reasons which power or energy cannot do that. Number four, the Holy Spirit originates intelligent thought and speaks which power or energy cannot do, right? So the Holy Spirit originates intelligent thought. Um, Acts 13 says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas. Um, Second Peter 1, he guided men to write scripture. So the Holy Spirit links with intelligent thought and, and power or um, uh, energy does not have that. Five, the Holy Spirit assists us in ways only another person can. 
Because the Holy Spirit understands our weaknesses. He assists us only in ways only another person could. Romans 8.26 um, He helps us in our weaknesses. He intercedes for us. Number six. The Holy Spirit takes action of intelligent free will which energy or power cannot do. Okay? The Holy Spirit takes action of intelligent free will. So the Holy Spirit says... First uh, Corinthians 2, the Holy Spirit searches all things. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. He baptizes us into Christ. Okay, so he deals with, with that free will, um, which, which energy cannot do. The Holy Spirit, 7, bears witness in a pattern that always involves a person. Okay? Um, we've read those things. The Holy Spirit, it, it involves, it's a personality. It says the Holy Spirit, eight, is outright called God. Okay? Acts 5 verse 34. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Peter said to him, you have not only, you've lied unto the Holy Spirit, but in fact you lied to, to God. Um, Holy Spirit is called outright God. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, it's through the finger of God. The Lord is the Spirit in, in, in those passages. Um, the Holy Spirit shares qualities that only God possesses. Um, he's eternal like the Father. He's omnipresent like the Father, Psalms 139. He is omniscient like the Father. The Holy Spirit is divine in power. The third, I'm probably by ten now. Um, thou sent thy, forth thy spirit they were created men were moved by the Holy Spirit and then they spoke from God um, 11 the Holy Spirit is divine in character so it only not only called God but it's, it's divine in character and, and we talked about this eternal spirit and the good spirit that the Bible um, talks about um, alright Let me summarize. So we can, we can, we can deal with some, some questions. A summary of what the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not some mystical, indefinite, indefinable, ethereal-like substance that enshrouds and permeates the universe like a fog. He is not a mere influence or a vague impersonal power released in response to human needs. The Holy Spirit is not the personification of God's power or the Bible. Final sentence is the Holy Spirit is a loving, divine being personally concerned about you. <laughs>